Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcou, and he's the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? Hey, Sam. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. We're back at it, man. Back in the saddle. Feels good. Back in the saddle, back in your man cave, back in my daughter's bedroom, because my old studio has been ripped down, as everybody knows. But the good news, Chris, the very good news, the old studio is now a fifth bedroom for my son, who will be here in just about a month's time. That's going through final inspection two days from this recording right now, which means after that, I can rebuild my studio now in the garage and go from there. So is the room going for final inspection or the the sun? Both, both. We have a okay. doctor's appointment right after the inspector comes and says that the room is okay. <laughs> then we just got to make sure that he's okay for the room, not going to be too gross or smelly. And then, you know, game on after that. I'll tell you right now, he will be gross and he will be smelly. Yeah, that's the thing. I've, I've Everyone I've talked to, because as you know, I have a daughter and then I have uh, my girlfriend's two daughters. Uh, I don't have a son. You have a son. Everyone I talk to that has boys says, A, don't buy anything nice because they're going to ruin it. B, right. they're going to pee on everything. Uh, and that's True. it. That's the only advice they've been giving me so far. I mean, and we haven't changed. I mean, we're in our 30s and we just break shit and pee on everything. So uh, it's just uh, smaller versions of ourselves. But yeah, actually, I have a funny example. This uh, It's getting hotter here in North Carolina, the South. And uh, I work from home now. So my son uh, is on spring break and he's out playing in the backyard doing whatever. And he came and sat next to me as I was on a call. I had to mute it. I'm like, dude, get the fuck away from me. You smell so fucking bad. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't smell. And I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah, you do. And there's that time between like 11 and 13 years old where they don't give a shit and they don't wear deodorant and you have to force them to, they don't shower. You have to force them to. And then they like start like recognizing that girls are cute and all of a sudden, we don't have to tell him anything. He is like decked out in the cologne now and and and, and deodorant. But there's that gap where they're starting to get older. You'll see. Uh, my wife calls it very famously in the household uh, his onion patch because he just smells like a patch of onions. It was that disgusting. Oh, so get get ready. Yeah, good. I'm I'm looking forward to that in a decade's time from now. And then there's going to be that time like you talked about where then you can't get him out of the shower and you're like, what is he doing in there? We it's know. already clean. We we know. Yeah, we know. Anyway, speaking of guys in their 30s in the Miami Dolphins, Chris, uh, we have some, you know, news and notes, this and that, ups and downs, ins and outs that we need to talk about for the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to start with this one. The streak is over, my friend. The Miami Dolphins have done it. They have signed somebody on their team over the age of 30, fireworks and applause or disappointment. Disappointment. We had a whole episode that Chris Greer was an ageist. And he must have listened. He Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris Greer. Thanks for being a fan of the show. Uh, thanks for listening to the doctor and making me look like a foolish man. He has now signed someone over the age of 30. How dare you? 
Well, you know, in his defense, it is early 30s. It's Lawrence Guy, former nose tackle for the New England Patriots. So there's that New England Patriots connection again with Brian Flores and now the Miami Dolphins. 31 years old. I remember the guy, Lawrence Guy, on the New England Patriots coming to the Miami Dolphins. I'm wondering, Chris, maybe he just signed him to give himself a guaranteed cut later this offseason <laughs> or in training camp, right? Like, he's like, wow, I like all these other young guys, and we're going to have these rookies coming in. I don't know who to cut. I know I'll sign a street free agent, 31 years old, just so that I can cut his old ass later. I like that Chris Greer, though, did, however, make us look bad. Also threw us a bone, Sam, and finally signed a guy that's name is very easy to pronounce. In fact, it's probably the easiest name to pronounce on the team. And for him to eventually cut where he can just tell the intern to, quote, go get that guy, he's cut. And it, it can mean anybody, but we know who it is. Wouldn't it be great if it was actually pronounced Guy and we've just been messing <laughs> the easiest of names Gui. up with Lawrence Guy? We, yeah, Lawrence Hui. Anyway, yeah, nose tackle. Look, I, I think the Miami Dolphins, when you look at their defensive line, you know, one strongest thing unit they, I've ever seen in my life. What's that? Strongest unit I've ever seen in my life. And it's just like overloaded of, and we, that's even with losing Godshow. We have just tons of talent there and gigantic human beings. Yeah, they're big. They're strong. For the most part, they're young. I mean, Lawrence Guy cracking the rotation here is going to be a little bit difficult, I think. I mean, we've got four guys ahead of him that I think are going to play and play a lot. Um, so I don't know what this means for Lawrence Guy, but welcome to Perfect Bill, Lawrence Guy. You're, uh, you're on the team. You're 31 years old. I would say rent, don't buy. Yeah, and he'll know all about renting videotapes because he's old as shit, obviously. Yeah, he uh, he still plays a version of Madden where he was playing in college as a player, as opposed to that's how old he is. He's, he's going to walk in. All the guys are going to be like, hey, look at this TikTok video. And he's like, I want to go to the soda fountain and play jacks. And they're like, what? Old ass motherfucker. I love how 31 is old in our eyes now, yet we just had Ryan Fitzpatrick. And yeah, we made fun of his age, but he was like 42. And we're like, yeah, no problem there. But 31, oh, my God. Just, you know, it's kind of like if you're going to commit to old Chris, like, Go get old. Go get a Tom Brady and a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't go 31. What are you going to do with the guy who's got one year left in his prime? That's bullshit. Yeah, go sign like Steve DeBerg. Do you remember him playing at like 73 for the Falcons back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s? Go get him. Uh, although you brought up Brian Fitzpatrick. He was pretty damn old. He's so old. Like one of the like Tua could have probably dated his daughter. She's probably of age. He's so old. And uh, by the way, Love your setup. You got Mario one side and literally NFL mock draft. So while you talk, uh, I normally zone you out, but I can zone you out and watch NFL Network. So that's pretty sweet. And we just drafted Jamar Chase, by the way, sixth overall is what they gave to us. Uh, in case you are listening to this and not watching this, what Chris is referencing is the fact that I have the mock draft for ESPN playing in the background and they are going through the first round picks and the Miami Dolphins were just on the clock and they picked Jamar Chase wide receiver out of LSU, Chris, which is kind of the hot, sexy in vogue pick for the Miami Dolphins at number six. And if you're listening to get all of your Miami Dolphins news from this podcast, first of all, we say thank you very much. Second of all, we suggest that maybe you check into Twitter or Reddit or one of those other areas because Chris and I aren't known for breaking news on a weekly daily basis. So if you're wondering why we're picking sixth instead of third, let us clue you in as to what has happened for the Miami Dolphins since the last time Chris and I spoke. Well, the Miami Dolphins went from number three all the way down to number 12 when they made a huge trade with the San Francisco 49ers going from the number three overall pick down to number 12 overall. But in return, what they got was essentially 
a second round or first round pick in 2022 and a first round pick in 2023, Chris. Now, if there was, of course, some other picks in there, a third rounder, so on and so forth. But the first round picks is what everyone cares about. So that's what we're going to talk about. So that happened. You and I text each other immediately go, holy crap, that's crazy. We're going to number 12 but we get all these extra picks. Chris is Chris Greer is a genius because we're collecting all these picks, just like the New England Patriots did all those years in a row where we have all this draft capital year after year after year. Well, the text wasn't even all the way sent yet, Chris, when all of a sudden news breaks that the Miami Dolphins traded again, this time back up to the number sixth overall pick with the Philadelphia Eagles. They give up the number 12 pick plus the Miami Dolphins first rounder next season. So, to 2022, which means the Miami Dolphins now have the sixth overall pick, the 18th overall pick in 2021. They have the San Francisco 49ers first round pick in 2022, and they have their own first round pick and the San Francisco 49ers first round pick in 2023. Of course, there's also some back end stuff, third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round stuff that we're not going to get into right now because the important part of this, Chris, is that the Miami Dolphins are set up for multiple first day picks over multiple years, once again, because Chris Greer worked his magic on draft day, and here we are. Number six overall, Miami Dolphins. What do you think of those uh, two back-to-back blockbuster draft trades for the Miami Dolphins? Absolutely love them. So we essentially moved down. So here's the thing. We're not picking a quarterback. The only reason we had the third overall pick is from Houston. So we're a good team with, as you forementioned, the 18th overall pick, uh, kind of middle of the pack there, right at the – cusp of playoff teams that's where we should be we also just have the icing on the cake have the third overall pick what chris greer did basically is turn move down three spots in a qb heavy draft um and got a first round pick so we basically moved down three spots and got a a first round pick and a third that's unbelievable so we're set up with all these young guys we already mentioned before. We have draft picks now. And the best part is Chris Greer worked his magic to get in a spot in all anyone is talking about is Trevor Lawrence one, Wilson two, three, possibly Mac Jones, four, possibly Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Uh, if the Falcons take a quarterback or trade that pick to Denver, uh, Carolina, possibly not because of Darnold now. Uh, but there's a very good chance there's a great chance mathematically that us sitting there at six has the pick of the litter of the mentioned before jamar chase kyle pitts from florida jalen waddle from alabama or Devonte smith i mean literally the numbers it's impossible one of those possibly two or three of those guys will be available for us to literally take bpa best player available and gain a first round pick unbelievable by chris Greer. Yeah, I mean, I think if you were to take a look at this overall and say you could move back three spots and get an extra first round pick as well as an extra second round pick or third round pick or whatever it turned out to be, uh, you take that in a heartbeat and you and you, you know, you go running. And that's exactly what the Miami Dolphins did. I am curious, though, it to me, when I look at both of these trades individually, Chris, I think the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers had a trade that. Obviously, both sides think is a win-win. I think the Miami Dolphins absolutely crushed that trade with the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners need a quarterback. They're going to go up and go get whatever quarterback that they would need at number three that, that is available. <clears throat> we weren't going to get a quarterback, as you said. I think that whole argument has now been debunked. We're not getting Deshaun Watson. We're not going and getting a quarterback in this draft. Tua is our guy, and they're going to build around Tua Tungavailoa as the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in the present and the future. 
all of their free agent signings uh, showed us that the way they're lining up the draft is showing us that that argument is now kaput. It's dead. Let's put it away. Let's never talk about it again until, you know, next episode. But <laughs> that aside, I also thought the draft or the, the draft it trade with the Eagles was okay. It was acceptable, but it did seem kind of steep to me, at least at, at, like in the vacuum of that by itself. Now, when you put the two of them together, because again, these trades came out about 30 minutes apart from each other. So you have to look at the whole thing. You move back three spaces, you gain extra draft picks. But I thought the trade with the Eagles was maybe a little more even. I don't think we killed the Eagles with this trade like we did the 49ers or like we did the Houston Texans. This Eagles trade to move back three was expensive. We gave up our draft pick next year in the first round to go up to number six from number 12. So while overall, I think it's a very, very good uh, draft day strategy for the Miami Dolphins to go back up to number six and get whoever it is they need in terms of uh, a wide receiver or pass catching talent which is where we assume they're going to go. I do think by itself, the Eagles Dolphins trade was a little more even than the Niners Dolphins trade. What say you? Well, just looking at the numbers, if you look at it, the Eagles uh, got a first round pick to, and, and we moved up six spots um, and we got a first to move down three. So, I mean, it still is, a, you know, if you think about it, just like on the chart, which I think is ridiculous. Anyway, one cool thing I like about that. And you're right. It's not like, we fleeced the Eagles or anything and it was pretty steep, but we really wanted to get into that top 10 uh, more specifically closer to five uh, because of all the QB heavy um, at the top there and us wanting our pick of the litter. Cause um, it, it starts getting risky when you're at 12 because then teams start jumping you and it's not as expensive coming from 17, 18. And then all of a sudden Waddle's gone, Smith's gone. And you're like, fuck, I got to p- pick, you know, Tooney or Looney, whatever else the name is from Florida um, or, or possibly move down. Um, but do they really have these top three guys? I think they do. I think they have Pitts, Chase, and either Smith or Waddle, maybe top four. Um, and they know they're all there. They've spoken to all of them. They've interviewed all of them. Um, they gain a first round pick and they get one of those guys. I, I think it's, a, I think it's great how it worked out. I also like Sam and I think you will too, that Chris Greer is totally betting on us, man, because he traded our first round pick next year, not the acquired 49ers pick, meaning in his mind, a rookie led or Jimmy Garoppolo led 49ers team will not be as good as us next year, making their pick higher than ours and we kept it. So I like that not only did he get a first, but he then traded our first round pick, which if you think about it, and in a perfect world where we're finally going the right direction, Sam, we make the playoffs possibly go win a game in the playoffs. Jesus, first time since 2000, 2001. Um, our picks 25, 26, you know, 22, 23. 49ers, tough division. They play in a very tough division. They go you know, God, now we got to do the math five, five and 12 uh, because of the 17 game season. Um, All of a sudden their pick might be possibly top 10. And we did not give that up to move up to the Eagles pick. So great job at Chris Greer and exciting as a fan uh, knowing that they are totally betting on our, on ourselves and on the Miami dolphins, uh, meaning they have very good um, uh, thoughts on our very immediate future. 
Yeah, somebody brought up on Twitter when these trades broke, Chris, that it wouldn't have been amazing if Chris Greer somehow convinced them to take the 18th overall pick instead of the 12th, and then we're picking 6th and 12th. And if that was the case, holy crap, the Miami Dolphins fan base would be running upside down uh, on their hands because of uh, the picks that we'd have at 6 and 12. But uh, as it is right now, we have the number 6 overall, and we have the number 18 overall. We still have two first-round draft picks here. I'm curious before we get into the draft and we, and we recap what they did in free agency and how that leads into the draft. uh, What's your gut tell you, are the Miami dolphins done trading uh, in the first round, or do you think there's more trades to come or are they staying at six and 18 right now? Uh, I think they're solid at six. Um, They want, they had a guy in mind and they are guaranteed just based on numbers. Any survivor fans out there, you can think about if you have the votes, like they, they, they're going to, they're guaranteed to get one of their guys at six, no matter if somebody trades above them, anything. They have at least three guys that they want and they know they're going to be there. I don't think they go anywhere from six unless somebody is like, fuck, at seven, Detroit's taking Trey Lance and I want him bad. And they call us and they're like, dude, like we need six because we can't let him go uh, to seven. And they just, we get to farm again. They're so fine. I can see that happening. And this draft is so deep in playmakers. You're talking Bateman from Minnesota, the other LSU receiver, um, uh, Terrace something. He ran a four, three as well. Uh, and no one's talking about him because Jamar chase is, is, is at the same pro day. Uh, these guys that go at the end of the first round are great talent. Tooney from Florida as well. Um, and then you got the tight ends that we've mentioned before on the previous episode. So if Chris Greer is sitting there and he's like, shit, you know, we can just get you know two more first round picks or something or a veteran guy, maybe, especially with the addition of Will Fuller, that helps. Um, 18, 18 is where I see us possibly moving. I can see us sitting there and going, damn it. New England's going to take Najee Harris at 15. We're going to move up. Or we like Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. Somebody really wants Najee Harris at 18. We'll move back. And we hope to get one of the other guys. 18 is totally on the board. I think six is solid. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think we're moving off of six just because of what you said. I think they are in love with both Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, and they really, really, really like Devontae Smith and and Jalen Waddle. I think that really is the order. If you look at the pro day, I think Chris Greer was at uh, Jamar Chase's pro day and uh, Brian Flores is at Kyle Pitts. And it was on the same day at the same time. I'm pretty sure those two were texting each other like two little girls going, you know how fast he <laughs> ran? I'm like, do you know how fast he ran? Did you see what he caught? Did you see what His he caught? were huge. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> I think there was a lot of talk about lower hip movement in text messages between Brian Flores <laughs> and Chris Greer. He absolutely was. Uh, so let's, let's talk about this. We know, <laughs> at least we think, that uh, at the number six pick is solid and it is going to be some sort of playmaker. And I also think the clues are all there. Hiding in plain sight, Chris. It's so funny with this regime that we have because Brian Flores and Chris Greer both told us immediately after the season, Tua's our guy, he's our starter. There was this narrative throughout the entire offseason that no, they don't like Tua. They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to draft a quarterback. They're going to trade for Deshaun Watson. They're going to, you know, murder Tua in a sleep and throw him into the ocean. Somehow, we're not going to have Tua Tungavailoa on the team. And lo and behold, here we are. All the moves are showing us, yes, not only are we keeping Tua as our starter, but we're going to give him weapons. So you look, you have Mike Kosicki, you've got Devontae Parker. <clears throat> they go out and sign Will Fuller on a one-year prove-it deal. And he's betting on himself, to your point, where he's going to ball out enough with Tua and the rest of the gang here in Miami that he's going to get a long-term contract with the Miami Dolphins or go elsewhere if need be, and get himself a long-term deal. But he signed with the Miami Dolphins. This guy, when you look at what he actually runs, Chris, not only does he get open, um, but he gets open running the nine route. He gets open running slants, and he gets open running out routes. 
things that allow him to create some space. And then he can turn on the afterburners after he catches the ball upfield. It's a little bit of a different wide receiver than you see with Devonte Parker, who is yeah. a 50, 50 ball guy. He's doing comebacks. He's doing short routes. Uh, if you are throwing it deep, he's probably going up on a 50, 50 ball with the defensive back hanging on his you know shoulders and things like that. So a nice complimentary piece, a starting wide receiver but outside of Will Fuller, the Miami Dolphins did not inject a lot of talent into the offensive side of the ball. Jacoby Brissett as a backup quarterback, great veteran presence, somebody that you and I both agree is a perfect fit for Tua Tungabailoa in terms of a backup quarterback, somebody who can help him, you know, be a coach from the sidelines and, and step in if Tua gets hurt or whatever the case may be. And then you had Malcolm Brown, a running back that's going into a committee uh, that quite frankly, wasn't very good to begin with. Now, is Malcolm Brown a welcome addition? Yes, he is. But is he a guy that's going to stop you or prevent you from getting a Najee Harris or, uh, you know, Javante Williams or somebody like that in the draft? No. So when I look at this and then I look at who they traded for on defense and who they signed on defense, people that are more impactful, Chris, it tells me that the Miami Dolphins are telling the fan base and telling the <laughs> world, whether we care to listen or not, that we're getting playmakers early in this draft. Absolutely. It's just there. That's what they're telling me, Chris. That's what I'm seeing. Am I wrong? No, you're hundred percent right. We're going offense heavy last year. We went defense heavy other than the offensive line. Um, it, there, there's just, um, and uh, obviously other than Tua Tungo Vailoa, but uh, we, we are going to go offense. We are going to get guys that can uh, score touchdowns that we have to have that. Uh, also, Word is on the street that the Dolphins are counting on and very excited about Albert Wilson coming back. And a lot of people forget about how damn good he is. You pair him with Williams, Parker, and Fuller. I mean, with Gesicki and possibly Chaser Pitts. I mean, you're talking about a lot of speed and guys that can make plays happen after catch uh, that we didn't have before uh, and we haven't had in a little bit. Albert Wilson has some highlights. Look him up before he got hurt and before he um, you know, backed out for the COVID season. He comes back. That's just like an, an, an extra free agent uh, that we basically signed. I count him as that. Um, we're going offensive heavy. We're, we are going on rookie contracts for playmakers, guys that are going to go out there and get after it. I think Chris Greer made a big mistake last year by not picking a running back um we've talked about this before um with with the guys coming from ohio state and lsu dobbins and, and such um that we, uh, hilaire we that we didn't pick and we could have we are absolutely done with the jordan howard howard and matt Breida experiments and i i fully believe with one of our first four picks it's going to be Javonta Williams, Najee Harris, or Travis Etienne. Like it, it, it has to be because you got those guys are game changing running backs, and Tua Tonga Vailoa being a pocket pro passer needs balance, and our offense needs balance. You need balance to win. You need to run the ball to win. And with our defense, with how good they are at making turnovers and uh, getting after the the passer, hopefully we get another we, pass rusher sprinkled in there. One of those four picks. Running game and controlling the clock, keeping the offense on the sideline is key. So uh, that's my hope and thought process is, like you said, Sam, playmakers, guys that can get pay dirt. Yeah, and, and you know, look, you know, you talked about defense in the draft last year. The Miami Dolphins spent a lot of money in free agency last offseason to shore up that defense, and it was actually money well spent. If you look at how much the defense improved from year one to year two under Brian Flores and his coaching staff, which is why they went with Tua Tungavailoa, which is why they went with um, uh, uh, Austin Jackson as their left tackle. And the rumor is, Chris, if you remember, we had the 26th overall pick from the Houston Texans. Right before that pick, we ended up trading it to the Green Bay Packers. But before we did that, 
Brandon Ayuk was chosen by the San Francisco 49ers, a wide receiver that we apparently were in love with, but could not get because he went one pick before. So we traded down, went down and got Noah Igbenogany a little bit later, I think with the 30th pick or 31st, whatever the case may be. So they were going offense. They were going playmakers. They saw the need. They tried hard to get free agent running backs like Le'Veon Bell. They tried hard to get people in the rookie draft that they thought they could get in the second round that went before they were able to pick. So they understand that they're value there i think they've learned their lesson i hope they've learned their lesson and i think they're going to go get those playmakers i agree with you we are going to go running back early in this draft we're not going to go late we're not going to go with a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick but we're not going to go running back with the sixth overall so looking at this and the way we're, we're seeing this play out and you start looking at the mock drafts whether it's over my shoulder on tv right now or you're watching it you know on on your screen the miami dolphins at six are virtually guaranteed to have their pick of at least one of the four playmakers that they've been attached to. If you are Chris Greer right now, Chris, if you're Brian Flores, you are the Miami Dolphins front office staff and both Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. And let's Mm. just say Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are all there at six. Which one are you going with now and why? Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. He's not a tight end. Like, I mean, yes, it's next to his name and, and he, I, one bad thing. And I will say this right now, go back and listen to the tape in five years when his rookie deals up, he's going to want to get paid a blended amount of receiver <clears throat> slash tight end money. Um, he, I've watched a lot of his tape uh, because I watched a lot of his games too. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of Miami had a lot of like late games last year, like three o'clock, seven o'clock games. So I was watching the you know, random one o'clock SEC games and there's a lot of Florida and uh, watching his tape as well, um, no you know, Travis Wingfield or anything where I'm breaking down, uh, you know, 90 degree angle hip movements and plant planting of, uh, you know, non-dominant feet. But Kyle Pitts can fucking play and he's a mismatch nightmare and his route running is unbelievable for a guy his size. And then his pro day, Sam, he, he came out and did it. He's like 6'6", 6'5", 245 pounds and ran a 4440. That is fucking unbelievable like that is unbelievable how do you cover that now just in a perfect world imagine him on the same offense with mike iseki six five and over and parker who's gigantic as well preston williams gigantic as well and underneath you have fuller and wilson as a defensive coach a guy very amateur i played barely in college but i've coached football and uh you have to schematically think of things and who to take away and who 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 do you take away? There's not enough teams with enough depth on their defense to cover every single one of those guys. It, 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 that is just a mismatch nightmare. And Tuatunga Vailoa, anytime within 30 yards of the end zone, has four options to just throw it up. Unbelievable. So you do that and pair him with Mike Kosicki, who, if you listen to Welcome to Perfect Bill podcast, Sam mentioned is close to a contract as well. And if it's one of those things where a rookie contract for the next five years is cheaper, same thing with a running back, instead of signing a big name free agent, you know, guy, get these guys on rookie deals. We're riding it with Tua for the next four years, not paying the big quarterback money. That's just the smart play. And you can still go in win now mode in 2021. And you have set up for the future of Mike Kosecki doesn't want to stay here, but putting uh, two tight ends on the field when they're Mike Kosecki and 
Kyle Pitts, they're not tight ends. Like they're not Darren Smythe, Durham Smythe out there, you know, blocking. These guys are mismatched nightmares to anybody that's covering them, corner, safety, linebacker, or otherwise. Uh, the scary thing, and if you watched the Raider game last year, the Miami Dolphins Raider game, um, this will give you chills. The, the guy that Kyle Pitts keeps getting, the two guys that Kyle Pitts keeps getting uh, compared to is a stronger, bigger, faster, better version of Darren Waller. So Ridiculous. let that sink in. That he is had such a great season. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and then the other one is if you look at his measurables, he's measuring out larger than Calvin Johnson. Megatron, quite possibly the most talented, Unbelievable. most athletic famer, literally wide receiver in the history of, of, of football. And this guy is measuring out bigger and faster than him. I mean, that is that is ridiculous company to be involved with. I agree with you. I think if Kyle Pitts is there at six, you're taking Kyle Pitts. And I don't care if Jamar Chase is there, or, uh, uh, Waddle, or Devontae Smith. But if he isn't there, if for some reason, and I could see maybe the Atlanta Falcons or somebody taking Kyle Pitts if they didn't want to go quarterback, uh, and then you've got the three wide receivers, the the three amigos there, which one are you taking? Jamar Chase from LSU or two of his old running buddies with Eric or um, um, uh, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith? I don't want to get caught up in the size thing with Devontae Smith. I don't think it's a problem. Marvin Harrison and Chad Onchocinco had amazing careers, and they weren't gigantic receivers. We see the DK Metcalfs and the Megatrons and the Julio Joneses, and you think, oh, man, he's got to be 6'5", 230, that can leap out of a stadium. There's something to route running that is incredible and uh, important and special. Um, but Jamar Chase has that, too, and he has the size. If available, I know Tua's going to be, hey, Brian, uh, they're my buds. He's going to make great. Jamar Chase is better. And they're going to draft Jamar Chase, I hope, because I want Jamar Chase. He is, uh, to steal a line from Guy Fieri, the, the great one, uh, he is out of bounds. Like, he is just really good at what he does. He fights for the football. He's that Jarvis Landry dog type mm-hmm at the receiver position where no corner anytime you see you're playing Jamar chase on Sunday, you're like, fuck, I hate playing that guy. He is fucking just from the snap of the, 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 the opening coin toss to the last whistle. He is going to try to kick my ass every single play and he will fight for the ball. He will dive for the ball. He'll run you for the ball. You get Jamar chase. He he's the next best guy for me just for the sake of time, it goes Pitts, Chase, 1A, 1B, Smith, Waddle, either one. But with Waddle, he fits more of like the Will Fuller type and Albert Wilson we already have. So uh, Devontae Smith would be number three for me, but you go Jamar Chase and you don't think twice about it. And the good thing is, good thing is, I can see, and this is the problem, I can see the Cincinnati Bengals being like, hey, Joe Burrow. Joe's like, hey, yeah, get me Chase. He's my guy from college. And then listening, Brian Flores is not the type that's going to go, oh, really, Tua? He's your buddy, your roommates? Well, then let's pick him. He's going to take who's the top guy. I mean, he'll be like, hey, sorry, that's business. He's going to get the best guy. So if his opinion is of mine, Jamar Chase goes. 
So I agree with you again. This is why uh, you and I are great co-hosts here on Welcome to Perfectville and why we are the leaders of all the citizens of Perfectville. I have Kyle Pitts, number one. I have Jamar Chase, number two, which is a stark difference from when we started this process after the national championship game, Chris, where both you and I are saying Devontae Smith or bust at number three. And now we're at number six and we're like, yeah, fuck that guy. So it's it's a little bit of a different process as we start to see the pro days, we start to see the measurables, and we start to start to see what the Miami Dolphins need and how they can maximize two his potential as a quarterback and them as wide receivers. Uh, there's compelling evidence, Chris, if you look at the 12 personnel. So when the Miami Dolphins have one running back and two tight ends, um, Tua is actually a much better quarterback than in any other personnel grouping on the field. So that leads me to believe that if I know that, the Miami Dolphins know that, and Kyle Pitts is their guy. Now, if Kyle Pitts is gone, let's just say at number four, the Atlanta Falcons is like, we need him. We want him with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and everybody else that they have in terms of weapons, throwing the ball. Kyle Pitts goes to the Atlanta Falcons. We're like, okay, cool. We're going to go Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase goes to the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow. And all of a sudden, the quote-unquote nightmare scenario for the Miami Dolphins trading down to number six, Jamar Chase is gone, Kyle Pitts is gone, and now you're looking at Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, who do you pick or do you go somewhere else with that number six overall? See, and I, and I love that. And that's where I'm so excited about this NFL draft and where I also don't think they're moving from six, Sam, is that's not a nightmare at all. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are incredible wide receivers. It just so happens they're in a draft with freaks, just freaks of nature of Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. If these guys are split up the last four years, they're each the top receivers in those drafts without each other around, uh, if that makes any sense. So if we went back and just said, you know, the 2015 draft, there was Devontae Smith. He's the top receiver of that draft class. Waddle 16, Chase 17, Pitts 18. They're all in the same draft. So that's where Chris Greer had to get up to six. 12 was too risky. Six guarantees you one of the those four. I think they have a BPA right now. And those four, are living alone on Bourbon Street and the rest are on stilts because it goes way down and they had to get up there to six to guarantee one of those. So no nightmare at all. If that does happen, sucks. We're Luckily, they're in Cincinnati and Atlanta. It's not a division opponent. And we're still going to come away with either the Heisman Trophy winner that had like 250 yards and a half in the national championship or Jalen Waddle, who if didn't break his ankle, has a better season than Devontae Smith. And both, oh, by the way, have great chemistry with Tua Tungo Bailoa. So it, it, no nightmare at all. That's still a dream. I also like that you said that they're on Bourbon Street. Was that a clue? Was that smoke and mirrors? Bourbon Street, New Orleans, Louisiana, LSU, Jamar Chase, Chris Cullen, tipping his hand, tipping his hat for the NFL draft process. Okay, Chris, so we've been diagnosing the sixth overall pick pretty much the entire show here. I think we're both in agreement that the Miami Dolphins, barring some sort of crazy trade out or some sort of fall uh, of like, you know, Panay Sewell or somebody like that, are going to go with a playmaker at number six. Um, the question for me now is at number 18. So we've talked about Najee Harris. I think you and I both agree. If Najee Harris is there at 18, you don't typically take running backs at, you know, that high in the draft anymore. But then again, Najee Harris is not a typical running back. If you saw what he did for his pro day, he drove because of flights and issues with COVID and everything else. Drove to Alabama's pro day to simply be there and meet people like Brian Flores, like the Miami Dolphins brass and other teams, obviously Uh, the dude's got nothing but character. He's got nothing but talent. He is, in my opinion, a guy that you would spend a first round draft pick on. But if Najee Harris is not there at 18, to your point, if the New England Patriots 
go get him at 15. Uh, and the Miami Dolphins aren't able to trade out, trade up or trade back. And they stay at 18. Najee Harris is off the board. What do you think the Miami Dolphins are doing with their second of uh, their first round picks? Don't overthink this. If, if Najee Harris is not there, you're okay. Same thing with number six in Pitts and Chase. We have a break glass in case of emergency, and it's not even an emergency. It's not a nightmare. You have a great chance at 36, high in the second round, to get a Javante Williams or a Travis Etienne. Okay, so that, that that's fine if Najee goes 15 or somebody trades ahead of us to take him. Here's what you do though, and I know we've speak we've spoken a lot about uh, playmakers on offense. Not today, my friend. Mm-hmm to be Lee, Lee Corso, you go pass rush and you go Greg Rousseau or Jalen Phillips. And I'm not being a homer for university of Miami. These guys did not play together. They played uh, in back-to-back seasons. Phillips transferred from UC, uh, Cal or UCLA. Rousseau sat out for COVID both unbelievable athletes, both gigantic human beings, both had great pro days. Uh, Gregory Rousseau for people who don't remember because he'd skipped the COVID season is a fucking freak. He's the Kyle Pitts of defensive end. He literally played receiver in high school. This guy is athletic. He's got the quick twitch. He can move. It's something we haven't had since prime cam wake where they line up and pin their ears back when that ball snapped the speed and quickness off the break off the line is almost unblockable. It forces an offense to keep a running back into chip or a tight end in to help and double, uh, which helps our uh, already strong defensive backfield we have to have this type of player you have to have an alpha pass rusher and if not Najee Harris is not there at 18 I'm going pass rush one of those two or uh we're tied to uh uh pity as well or petty as well from Michigan so uh, anybody that can just pin their ears back and rush the passer go get them yeah, again, I agree with you. I thought maybe you were going to say that you either, you know, you doubled down we're on so another controversial playmaker. Here I know, at this Bill. point, it was just like agreeing with you. I agree with you. That's the best thing that we should do. But you're right. If there is a weakness for the Miami Dolphins, um, even though they were better last year, they still need to get better at, at rushing the passer. And if you look at what they did on defense in free agency and trading, they did that. They, they, they attempted to get after the quarterback with Bernardrick McKinney coming to the uh, coming to the Miami Dolphins, one of the best blitzing linebackers that is out there. He knows how to get to the quarterback, um, but that's not ne- nearly enough, right? I mean, beyond him and, you know, Emmanuel Ogba, the Miami Dolphins still struggle to get to the quarterback. So if Najee Plus Harris lost Lawson and Van Noy. Yeah. So. I mean, Kyle Van Noy, you know, trained, <laughs> turned his back on us after we cut him and uh, went back to the Patriots. And of course, Shaq Lawson was traded to the Houston Texans uh, for that Bernardrick McKinney. So uh, the Miami Dolphins still need pass rushers. They still need to put pressure on the quarterback that helps their, the rest of their defense immensely. Right. So I don't think you go wrong with a defensive pass rushing specialist. The problem is I think you have to get it right because the one thing that we haven't done early in drafts recently for the Miami Dolphins is get a pass rushing specialist who does exactly that at the pro level. I mean, Charles Harris says hello from fucking Minnesota or wherever he's playing these days. We haven't been able to do that. I think most of the success that we've had has come through free agency and trades or maybe late round draft picks who've been a surprise uh, like Van Ginkle. But we need to, if we're going to go with a pass rushing defensive end or outside linebacker for the Miami Dolphins at 18, they're going to have to get it right, Chris. There is no room for error here because that is high draft capital to blow once again on somebody who ends up like Deion Jordan or Charles Harris. 
ain't going to fly for the Miami Dolphins fan base. So if they go with a pass rusher at 18, he better be good. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. There's just that's too high of a draft pick. If you want to talk about you can't take a running back at 18. If he's going to be a game changer, who cares where you take him? Like, I never understand that. God, I really love this guy, but shoot, this is the wrong pick. Like, it, no, if you like the guy, you get him. Period. End of story. Um, but he has to be right. This, you're absolutely correct. And in the hardest thing about this is if it is Gregory Rousseau, you're, you're counting on uh, one year of footage. He really had one good season and then like sat out for COVID and Jalen Phillips again, great, you know, high coming in uh, recruit, but injuries and things like that. And one good season for the university of Miami. So it's like, it's, it's a risk. There's no more in-person meetings. The combine did not happen. So you, you got to get these medical checks. You got to really trust the tape and your uh, scouting process and your scouts, and hopefully they do that. And if they do, I trust Brian Flores to make the right decision at 18 for pass rush um, if he goes that route because that is his specialty. Yeah, I just – here's what I don't want to see in the first uh, – well, we'll get to that here in a second. I agree. Again, we agree there. So we, we talked about what we want to see in the first round. We want to see a playmaker at number six. We want to see Najee Harris, another playmaker at number 18. But if he's not there, we think we're going defensive end, outside linebacker, pass rush specialist – for the Miami Dolphins with their other first round pick. I think when you look at the moves that the Miami Dolphins made in the off season with trades and free agency, it's lining up for them to do exactly that. Uh, what's a move outside of quarterback? Cause we've already talked about that, Chris, but outside of drafting a quarterback, which would make all of us just slap ourselves in the face. What, what move by the Miami Dolphins in the first round outside of the obvious, like kicker and punter and shit like that. What position do you not want the Miami Dolphins to draft with a first round draft pick this season. I'm going to go ahead and be a little controversial here. And it's with the sixth overall pick. I see a lot of people talking about this player and I think he's great. I think it's going to be, they call him a generational talent, but we did not trade back to 12 and then trade back up to six to draft a left tackle for a left-handed throwing quarterback. Penny Sewell is going to be incredible. He's going to be a great player. And I hope it's with the Falcons or someone else not in the AFC East, but I don't want him anywhere near the Miami Dolphins. That's the only thing, Sam, that can happen in this draft that can really piss me off and we'll be live. So that'd be fun. Uh, and I'm sure they'll do it. That's the way it works. But <laughs> there's so many other options. Like there's just, you, you don't, you don't do it. You just don't do that. I, I, I know he's a great player and I know Tua needs time to throw. He needs people to throw it too. And you don't trade up a first round pick and trade up to six to draft this guy. I, I, there's just no way at all. I feel that's the move. Um, and unless anything crazy happens where the quarterbacks don't go off the board and the jets are picking like Jamar chase at two and Pitts goes four. And then we're sitting there like, Oh shit, we don't have Waddle or anybody then. Okay. Maybe or trade back. But if there is Kyle Pitts, Jamar chase, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle on the board and we take a left tackle, with a left-handed throwing quarterback, Sam, I will fucking scream and just chug beer and just disconnect my microphone immediately. I'll go one further on that again. I, I thought I was going to get you to where we could have a disagreement here, but that's not the case. I mean, I think you're right. But I still, again, if you, if you listen to our podcast, we talked about how good he was, right. you know, it, it, when he was 19 years old, slapping grown men around. But I'm telling you right now, Chris, 
the Miami Dolphins better not spend a first round pick on any offensive lineman. And I know that sounds controversial because our line wasn't the greatest last season, but you know what? We spent a lot of draft capital and a lot of free agency money last season to get this right. And we're going to let them gel together, mold together. They keep trying to tinker with this line after this season. And I'm going to be one pissed off. Miami Dolphins fan, because I think they do have the talent there. They just have to get the right offensive line coach, get them healthy and get them playing together. And I agree with you. You're not going to spend the sixth overall pick on a left tackle so that Tua can just stare at him the whole time while getting hit from the right hand side from your first round pick last season that you shifted over to right tackle who doesn't know how to play right fucking tackle because he's a left goddamn tackle. Or you take him and you put him at guard and you take your left guard and make him a right guard. You take your right guard and you push him out to right tackle, but he's too fat to be the blind side blocker for Tua Tungavailoa, and the same issue occurs. I agree with you. Offensive line at number six, no. Offensive line at number 18, no. That's not what we need. And you look at this draft, Sewell is a game changer, but he can be a game changer for somebody else, the Bengals or whoever. The Miami Dolphins have so many options to shore up the offensive line in the second round or the third round and the fourth round. There's so much talent in particular with the offensive line players in this draft that you get tremendous value later and later and later into the second round, into the third round, possibly even into the fourth round. If you feel that there is a need there to shore it up and you have a best player available at that time, but I don't go offensive line with the first picks at number six or number 18. I might even avoid the second round, Chris, unless everyone else is completely off the board, but only then would I look at possibly an offensive lineman with the second round pick. Yeah, I'd be good with like Creed Humphreys in the second round if we got Najee Harris at 18. Other than that, um, or, or if we get like Javante Williams or Travis Etienne with our first second round pick and then our second one getting Creed Humphreys or somebody, fine. But again, you you fix the the the, the here's the thing: you got to fix the the positions, uh, and not enough people consider this. Um, you got them for five years on a rookie contract, and if instead we went out and just paid uh, Le'Veon Bell it's going to be like $36 million. Like it's going to just crush your cap. Instead, you can draft somebody possibly with a higher ceiling, possibly lower. It's a rookie. True. Uh, but that that's on a rookie contract and it's not just smashing your cap space with guaranteed money and things like that. You, you got this five year, four year window now with Tua on a rookie contract, add these other guys at skill positions that can change the game and then you go and, like you said, second, third round, fourth round, get these value picks at line if you need to, or get the free agents like we tried. Um, and sometimes they just don't want to sign here. That's two-way street free agency. But if there's just no way I can wrap my head around that Penn A. Sewell is the pick at six. Um, and if so, I would be colored very, very disappointed. Yeah, I mean, again, to your point about an embarrassment of riches, though, he would still be a fantastic left tackle for the Miami Dolphins. So you'd be like, all right, well, ruin my day. Get yourself the best one. But the other position that I don't want to see the Miami Dolphins address in day one or day two, again, unless there was like two specific people that were to fall to them and no one else was available, would be the defensive backfield, Chris. I think we have a good defensive backfield with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. I think our safeties are decent. I don't know that we need to go anywhere uh, with the draft pick, spend high draft capital. I think you can go get yourself an athlete, a project in the third round, fourth round, put them you know, on the bench, let them play special teams, let them learn the system that you want to employ. And maybe they become a value nickelback, you know, cornerback, things of that nature later. But I would, I would not, unless the, the caveat here is if you're at 18 and Patrick Sertan, the second is sitting there for mm. whatever reason, then you got a decision to make, you know, are you going Najee Harris or Patrick Sertan? 
if Patrick Sertan the second is there at 18, Najee Harris is probably not there because that means somebody jumped up and he fell tremendously far uh, or JC Horn, somebody like that. But other than that, I don't see the Miami Dolphins using high draft capital day one or day two picks, at least early day two picks on defensive backfield. But then again, Brian Flores loves him, him some defensive backs. So what do I know? Sure does. Uh, and I think Brandon Jones showed enough promise last year, a third round pick from Texas where him and Bobby McCain and uh, well, not Nick Needham. He's okay. Uh, but Bobby McCain and, and Brandon Jones, you, you give them another year to gel and let them play. And if you add a pass rusher, uh, shore up the linebackers like we did with McKinney, then all of a sudden he has less time to have to cover and he can, he helped, pretty darn good in the run game uh i have to admit so i like that kid i I think that's somebody you just keep throwing uh opportunities at uh let him get live looks and he he's gonna get better man he he, he's a good safety so yeah not day one or day two i agree with you completely defensive backs o-line disappointment if it goes either way unless it's somebody that is the next sean taylor which there's no one in that draft no, there's not, which is why we're not talking about them going anywhere near the first round. I mean, I think the the best defensive back uh, that we have out there is Patrick Sertan the second. It would be cool to have him on the team. I've seen that guy play a lot, and he is an absolute stud. They don't wherever even he throw goes. it at him. He's he's so good. They don't even throw it his way. They're like he takes away half of the field. Yeah, the only way really that we would go that way is if there was a trade and Xavier Howard, who can't come to a contract extension with the Miami Dolphins, all of a sudden went elsewhere and we're able to pick up an additional first round pick and package that up and go up to like a number 12 to go get, you know, Patrick Sertan the second. But short of that happening, I don't see the Miami Dolphins spending draft capital there. And even then you talk about a rookie coming into the pros. You don't know what they're going to play like right away. So, uh, well, Chris, I, I, that's really about it. Here's the other thing I did want to talk about. What if, what if the Miami Dolphins don't address the running back position in the draft? I mean, what if, we come out of the draft and they've doubled down on receivers and tight ends and offensive linemen and defensive backs and linebackers and, uh, you know, another long snapper for the third year in a row or whatever it is that they do. But we only have like a sixth round running back project to add to the running back by committee that we already have with Miles Gaskin and Mal- Malcolm Brown and Savon Ahmed. What do you think the Miami what, – what would you feel like, number one? And number two, what do you think the next move for the Miami Dolphins would have to be to address the running back position? That would be a mistake. Uh, I, I think there's just too much talent. There's way too much talent that's going to be available. Um, and uh, having a strong running back is super important. Like it's so important. Look at the running games on uh, the teams that are in the playoffs and are winning uh, constantly. Like, you know, uh, it just, I, I don't know. You have to go running back. I know it's a dime a dozen position sometimes. And, um, People don't want to spend the draft capital on them, but if they change the game and it forces the defense to, to, to play that standard four, four, eight, seven in the box that opens up the passing game so much uh, for, for us, I just felt like last year, the last few years, really since Jay Ajayi that in 2016, no one's afraid they're playing nickel and dime constantly. Cause like, there's just no one that's going to just dominate um, when they get handed the ball and, and, and you have to, um, have somebody that can bring balance to the offense. And, and, and I just don't think after missing out on the guys last year and there's the, the words that they were trying to go after some guys. And I think Baltimore traded right ahead of us to get um, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, so it's like one of those things where we know and we're going to try and we're, we're, we're going to – and there's just no reason not to. Carter is number four on my list from UNC. Then you've got Etanine and Javante Williams are two and three A – 
B for me. Either one's fine. But Najee Harris is number one. And if you have the opportunity to get any one of those four, you have to do it. You have to get them on our team. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's some late round picks like the the kid at Ohio State who who could be uh, just a lot of fun as well. But I look at the running backs that are still available in free agency, Chris, and I know with the trading and everything that the Miami Dolphins did early, they saved about another million dollars, million five. Uh, that they would otherwise had to have paid, you know, to slot at number three as opposed to number six. So they gave themselves a little bit of wiggle room. And I think the June 1st cuts are going to be interesting. So I guess my point on all this is if the Miami Dolphins don't address the running back room, which I think they will in the draft, but if they don't, James Conner's still out there. Todd Gurley's still out there. Duke Johnson's still out there. Adrian Peterson is still out there. Le'Veon Bell, Jarek McKinnon, Wayne Gallman, Rex Burkhead. Not that we want Rex Burkhead, but he's a former Patriot, so who the hell knows? And who else is going to be available? Um, you could see quite a few people out there be available uh, before too long after the June 1st cuts, too. So there are some other veterans that could be added to the Miami Dolphins should they not go running back in the draft. But I don't think that happens. I think the Miami Dolphins are addressing running back. I think one of those four that you talked about will be a Miami Dolphin come draft day. Yeah. And the only thing that worries me is Brian Flores really had a thing for miles Gaskin last year. Like he just like, he's just out there all the time and he did, he did well, he did. Okay. Like we already did that episode of the running backs. He did okay. He did good, but there's just, there's just, He's that girlfriend that's like not the hot one, but she's sweet and real fun to she be around playing video games. She yeah, she's cool. Like, but like you're like, I can really do better. Like I and it, and it stings and it hurts to make that phone call or take her out to lunch and be like, this isn't you, it's me. Like type deal. But there's better, and if there's better, you go get better because this is like their career. It's their job. They have to upgrade a position if they can. And there's too many guys in this draft uh, that are huge upgrades from miles gaskins and no matter how much you like the kid uh if you can upgrade him you upgrade him yeah i mean to use that analogy if you were to break up that'd be one of those things like yeah this is gonna be really hard for me to break you know to to get over it too and then like the next day you're posting on facebook with your new girlfriend (laughs) selfies with Najee harris never been happier in my life blah 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 blah. so so jumped over somebody at notre dame (laughs) oh my god he's huge (laughs) and fast like yeah you get him uh, well, with that, Chris, so we talked a lot about the Miami Dolphins. We've talked about what they did in free agency and how that leads to the draft. We talked about where we think they're going to be uh, focusing their efforts early in the draft. I think we have a codified vision now for the Miami Dolphins and what they're going to do, at least what we hope they're going to do, and maybe what they're going to do after the draft should certain positions not be addressed. And I think right there is a very, very good special episode of Welcome to Perfect. But one thing we haven't done, you and I, to pull back the curtain, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills. We're going to talk about the Jets. We're going to talk about the Patriots. But I think we're going to do that on another episode, probably the next episode of Welcome to Perfect, Bill. I actually have to study and see what just what in the heck these characters are doing. I know the New England Patriots spent about $3 billion on free agents. I know the Jets traded Sam Darnold, who, by the way, I don't know if you saw it, Chris, but when Sam Darnold got the news that he was was traded away from the Jets... (laughs) So I mean, happy. Have I you so ever... happy for him. Like they had balloons with Panther colors and everything. Like he, it's like he got drafted again. And, and, and it's funny. You know, that guy is fucking younger than Joe Burrow. It's unbelievable. It, it, Sam Darnold. Have you ever seen somebody get fired from their job and asked to leave and never come back and be so excited to get fired from their job and asked to never come back. I mean, the, he's posting pictures of like, let's go time to do it. And like you said, he's so dancing pumped. around. He's having a great time. He's celebrating the fact that he escaped the New York jets. I mean, congratulations. If, if the jets didn't have 21 draft picks in the next 
two seasons. Uh, I just, there's no hope for that franchise. Like the guys are just, I mean, and he gets to go back to, he goes to the Panthers with Robbie Anderson, who like he just killed it with and had this great chemistry. Like it's just to see him so happy. Like you said, he's like, fuck New York. Good God. Like time to go eat some biscuit fill baby down in Charlotte. <laughs> Somebody buy that Sam Darnold, a, a family pass to Biscuitville. He's earned it. He, uh, he paid his penance for the New York Jets. Congratulations to you, Sam Darnold. So we're going to talk all about the New York Jets. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills because they made some moves that I think were pretty darn good there, Chris. And that's what happens when you start winning games in the NFL. People want to come play with you, even in fucking Buffalo. And of course, the New England Patriots. So we're going to take a dip onto the wild side on the next episode of Welcome to Perfectville. Big things coming for the Miami Dolphins as well. As Christopher Collin, Sam Marcoux, and the citizens of Perfectville. We have some announcements coming up soon. And of course, the draft, ladies and gentlemen. Disneyland Christmas wrapped up all into one before too long. Chris will be live. I'll be live. We'll be talking to you about the Miami Dolphins and who they draft at number six and number 18 and everywhere else in the, in the draft. Chris, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? That's it from the doctor. Uh, the doctor is out. He's writing a prescription for heavy drinking and mock drafting until the actual draft for the NFL in Cleveland this year of all places. Uh, so on behalf of the good doctor and myself, Sam Marku, the entire town of Perfectville, nothing left to say other than goodbye. From Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.